This is More Better Days, the podcast where I teach people with chronic illness how to use thought work and coaching to radically improve their quality of life. If you're tired of chronic symptoms dominating your life and you want to learn how to get unstuck and actually start to thrive, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Misha Delaney, certified life coach and mind-body syndrome practitioner. I'll show you how to make your mind your most powerful asset in your healing journey. It's time to break through the limitations and build a vibrant, abundant, and joyful life alongside chronic illness. Are you ready? I know I am. Let's dive in. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to More Better Days. This is episode number seven. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but I did take a little break for a few weeks, but I am back and I am ready to jump back in with y'all. Now, I thought it would be fun to do an episode with my top tips for how to feel less crappy on the hard days. Because who doesn't like an easy go-to tip when you're feeling crappy? Now, whether you're experiencing a flare or maybe you catch COVID or the flu this winter or maybe you're just having one a one-off day of feeling crappy, these tips are going to be so helpful. And what I love about these tips is that you can apply them in your life, whether you're new to thought work and coaching, or if you're a seasoned pro. You might already know some of these, but I encourage you to really listen, because oftentimes the tools and resources that help the most are simple but they only work if you actually use them and use them often to make a habit of it. So just because something is common knowledge doesn't mean that you've made it a common practice in your life. So I'm breaking down these tips to their very basics to make them approachable and doable even when you're feeling your worst. Now, before we dive into these five tips, there's something really important that I want to remind you of. I'm going to wax philosophical here, okay? This is something that I really believe. When you are sick, when you are struggling, when you are in pain, that does not mean that you are broken. You, your body, your mind, your life, they are not broken things that need to be fixed. Struggle, pain, failure, illness, oof, they are not fun but these are a natural part of the human experience. Just as much as joy, ease, success, and health are also natural parts of the human experience too. It goes back to that 50-50 concept I shared with you in episode number five. Having a flare, having a crappy week, a crappy month, a crappy decade, whatever, it doesn't mean that you are broken. It just means that you are experiencing the negative or shadow half of life. It's to be expected. And maybe you didn't know to expect that shadow half until now. Maybe you're awakening to that knowledge now. But there is no light without the dark. The balance is real, my friends. The real suffering comes from our resistance to the shadow half. Our resistance and fear that comes up when we experience pain. We kind of layer on this thick muck of crappy meaning 
on top of the shadow half, which is already challenging in itself. And that resistance that we layer on, it creates unnecessary suffering. And we have more control over that unnecessary suffering than we think or than sometimes we really want to admit. And that is where this work comes in. Coaching, mindfulness, thought work, these things are tools to help you focus on how to navigate the shadow half with empowerment and agency. So I'm inviting you to shift your focus when you're struggling. If your mindset is, this is a problem I need to fix, something is broken, I want to invite you to shift your mindset to something more along the lines of, this is a challenge that I want to learn how to navigate with more ease. That shift takes your focus off of a circumstance that you may not have any control over, and it puts your focus on where you do have control, your thoughts and your actions. Now, you might be like, no, Misha, I swear I can't control these negative thoughts and reactions. They happen in an instant. Well, yeah, we all experience that. That's normal. What I want you to know is that you're not responsible for the first thought, for the first reaction. You're going to just let that first thought control you. No, you're not going to give in to that. What I want you to do is to notice it and then decide if you want to keep or change your response. Do you want to keep or change that initial thought and reactivity? And this whole podcast is about how to change your response. So as you listen to today's episode and you try out these five tips that I'm about to share, I want you to keep that perspective in mind. We're focusing on your thoughts, beliefs, and actions because that's where your power lies. Your thoughts and actions are how you create your experience in your life, both on the good days and on the crappy days. So you'll notice that these tips focus on mindset and action. And I like to give specific examples on actions because I think that examples are really helpful to open our minds to ideas and possibilities. But I want you to focus less on the specific examples. They might work for you, they might not. But what I want you to focus on more is the mindset element to these tips and then use that to determine what actions you want to take that work best for you. Okay, let's dive in. These are my top five tips on how to feel less crappy on a hard day. Let's start with tip number one, reduce negative self-talk. Negative self-talk is that kind of mean bully voice that runs in the back of our head. And sometimes it's really loud and takes up a lot of space. And sometimes it's more subtle and it's running in the background more like a chatter. It's really common for negative self-talk to take the wheel when a symptom flares. We can get caught in patterns of rumination where we think the same negative thoughts about ourselves over and over and over again. Now, my brain's go-to negative self-talk during a flare is to tell me that I am a failure, that the flare is my fault, that I did something wrong to trigger it, that I could have done more to prevent it, and that I'm letting myself and others down by needing to take time to rest and recover. This is just like classic, 
uncreative, bully, negative self-talk popping up in my brain. And I used to believe it, and then I would feel even crappier because I'm just beating myself up. Well, guess what? There is another way. You don't have to believe every thought or belief or criticism that pops up in your head, especially when you're already having a crappy day. You can become more skilled at catching this voice early on and deciding not to believe it. Now, instead of trying to stop negative self-talk from ever happening, I honestly, I don't think that's possible. What I want you to do instead is to focus on changing the way that you respond to it. Negative self-talk can be a really big topic, and there's many helpful ways to coach on it, but today I'm going to give you my number one tip for nipping it in the bud, and that is by speaking to yourself in the third person as if you're speaking to a friend. So you want to use your name or the third person when you're speaking to yourself in your head or when you're journaling and addressing yourself. And this technique is called linguistic distancing. And it's proven to increase the effectiveness of changing your thoughts, feelings, and actions for the better. We're better at giving advice to other people with more compassion and perspective than we are to ourselves. So in this approach, you're talking to yourself from an outside perspective, like a coach or a friend. Now, if you're not sure what to say, a good way to get started with this approach is to use what I call the most loving thing practice. So ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can say to myself in response to this negative self-talk? And then you're actually going to say it to yourself as you would say it to someone else, making sure that you're addressing yourself with your own name in the process. Think of encouraging words you would say to a friend and say them to yourself whenever you catch that nagging bully voice popping up and interrupt those thoughts by coaching yourself through them. Okay, we're on to tip number two. Drop the drama, my friend, aka cut your catastrophic thinking short. Now, catastrophic thinking or catastrophizing happens when you start to spin out when a challenging situation comes up and you begin to imagine all the terrible ways it could get worse or go even more wrong in the future. I think of catastrophizing as anxiety's cousin. Catastrophizing is a really common chronic illness coping tendency, especially during a symptom flare. And that's because it provides a false sense of safety. We think that if we can predict all the bad outcomes ahead of time, that we will be prepared for them. So when a flare or a crappy day hits, we imagine what plans we'll have to cancel, how the pain is only gonna get worse, who we're gonna let down, what important tasks aren't gonna get done. We imagine that our pain could mean that something is terribly wrong. And the next thing you know, you're picturing yourself in the ICU and worrying about who is going to feed your dog, but none of this is actually happening in the current moment. The drama of it is really, really appealing to our brains. It's totally normal and common. And we tell ourselves that we're being productive by predicting these worst case scenarios. But you really want to nip this habit in the bud when it comes up because it keeps your system in a state of high alert 
and it reinforces the pain-fear cycle. So the first step, as always, you're going to hear me say this often, the first step is always awareness. Notice when catastrophic thinking comes up and simply name it. And then I want you to notice what meaning you're attaching to your flare or crappy day. What are you making it mean about you as a person and your future plans? Are you projecting how it's going to impact commitments you've made or goals that you have? It can be really hard to quit cold turkey on catastrophic thinking. So my first tip is to give yourself permission to just worry and wallow, but for a very specific period of time. I call this setting a worry window for yourself. So for example, when you're setting a worry window, you're going to say to yourself, all right, Misha, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to let you indulge in all the worrying and all the self-pity. Or maybe I'll even let myself have a full afternoon to just really let my mind get it all out. The point is with a worry window is that you want to decide how long you're going to let yourself indulge in those catastrophic thoughts and make a deal with yourself that you're going to stop once the worry window is up. And then it's time to start processing those emotions and letting them go. When you're outside of the worry window and you catch the catastrophizing drama coming up, I want you to talk to those thoughts. Say to them, I hear you, but I will not follow you right now. Your time is up. There's no room for you here anymore. This really is about finding that sweet spot between sitting with your thoughts versus sitting in them. Now, the opposite of worrying and catastrophic thinking is focusing on the present moment. So I want you to get back in that watcher role that we've talked about and notice your surroundings. This is a simple way to get out of the future worries and back into the present moment. And this is a simple exercise. It's called the five things exercise. So you're going to take a look around the room. You're going to access your senses and you're going to name five things you see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Now, I found that I don't even have to go through the whole exercise usually. I can name five things I see and four things I can touch, and maybe three things I can hear, and it's just like, whoosh, I'm back in the room. I'm no longer worrying about what is going to happen in the future and what this crappy moment is going to mean in the future, and I'm back in the present moment. So try that five things exercise and also try the worry window and see if that helps with dropping some of the drama around when you're having a crappy day or a symptom flare. All right, we're taking a quick break for me to jump in and say, if you are excited about what you're learning today and you're ready to take the next step towards getting unstuck, getting back in control of your life and starting to thrive, please go to morebetterdayspodcast.com. There you'll find free resources on how to get started. And don't forget to follow me and say hello on Instagram at at 
Misha Delaney. You'll find links in today's episode notes. Okay, back to the show. Okay, tip number three, only track the good stuff. What you pay attention to and track is what you'll create more of in your life. I'm going to say it again because this is so important. What you pay attention to and what you track is what you'll create more of in your life. Where attention goes, neural connection grows. This means do not track your symptoms or triggers because those are things that you want to reduce. Now, it might appear productive to track your symptoms and triggers, and maybe it's something that a medical professional asked you to do at the beginning acute phase of your chronic illness, but once you are six months out, a year, two, five years out, and you're in a chronic illness mode, tracking is not doing you any favors. Tracking symptoms and mapping triggers to flares puts fuel on the fear-pain cycle, and it reinforces to your brain that you're not safe. So instead, track the good stuff. Now, I've talked about naming wins before, and that is a form of tracking the good stuff. But when you're dealing with a flare or a particularly crappy day, I recommend taking an extra step and actually writing down your wins throughout the day. Don't wait until the end of the day. Keep a journal page open or a piece of paper out. Put it somewhere where you're going to pass by it throughout the day and write down your wins a few times as the day progresses. For every single win that you write down, you're getting a little hit of dopamine and that will train your brain to look for and create more wins. Everything that benefits you counts as a win. Drinking water, eating good food, getting out of bed, putting away the dishes, brushing your teeth, big and small, count your wins and write them down. And I want you to be ridiculously generous with what you're considering a win. All right, now here's another example of how to track the good stuff. I like to track my daily steps. And that's because I know movement is good for my body's recovery process, and walking is a gentle way to get more movement. It increases blood flow, reduces inflammation, and aids in the release of feel-good hormones. So tracking my steps with a Fitbit always motivates me to move more because I get a little bit of dopamine every time I check my progress and see the step counter go up. It's like a gamification of a normal daily action. I want to see more of it. And it's one of those really rewarding things I like to track. It's just simple. I'm tracking my steps. Unless you are completely bedridden, you're gonna take a few steps throughout the day and it's really cool to see those steps increase throughout the day. Now, honestly, this idea of tracking only the good stuff is my favorite tip in this episode because it's easy but productive And frankly, I think it just really lifts your mood because it's fun to celebrate the good stuff. So think about the positive and beneficial emotions and actions that you want to track. Yes, you can track emotions too, not just actions, and just start tracking them. Write them down, focus on them, 
And I want you to let go of tracking what you want to go away. Let go of tracking things like pain levels, fatigue, triggers, what you didn't accomplish. Tracking that is just focusing your brain on that negativity bias. And instead, we're going to start redirecting it towards what's benefiting you and what feels good. This is a total game changer. It might sound corny or obvious, but you actually have to do it on a regular basis. Only track the good stuff. Tip number four, prioritize productive rest. Sometimes it can be really challenging to just let go and truly rest. Oftentimes when I'm experiencing heightened fatigue or pain, it's like I'm simultaneously exhausted and also feeling a sense of this like buzzy overstimulation. And that's usually when my nervous system is not regulated. So I have a deep desire to rest, but it's just so hard to let go and really fall into a state of relaxation or sleep. And so instead, I scroll my social media, I Google random things to distract myself, and my very favorite version of pretending to rest is binge-watching TV. Now this, my friend, it is not rest. It is called buffering. Buffering is when we use distractions to avoid our uncomfortable emotions. We buffer to avoid fully experiencing our life, especially the shadow half. We buffer to procrastinate and to not show up. And yes, you can procrastinate on something that seems valuable like productive rest because productive rest requires a certain amount of letting go and being present. So you're probably seeking distractions to avoid the discomfort of letting go and just being with the unpleasant sensations of your symptom flare. Now listen, when I'm talking about buffering, I'm not saying don't ever distract or entertain yourself at all. Buffering and distraction can be useful tools when done in moderation. And frankly, all of us do it and that's fine. But if you're doing it for the majority of the day when it's not therapeutic or contributing to your well-being, that's when it's gone too far. And you know, you know when you're not actually relaxing. You know when you've crossed the line and you're overdoing it with the buffering. So pay attention to that. And I want you to find ways to prioritize productive rest and relaxation instead. So for example, leave your phone in a different room and go lie down and take a nap. Stop doom scrolling or checking your phone while you're trying to rest. Take a real nap. Allow yourself to let go of that buzzy, disconnected feeling of constantly seeking distraction and see what happens when you use that same time to rest and relax deeply. When I have a big flare and I know I need lots of rest, one of the absolute most helpful things I can do is just relinquish my control and just sleep whenever my body wants to, regardless of the time of day, And then I will just let myself wake up naturally without an alarm. And it takes a lot of thought work to allow myself to get into that place where I can just fall asleep and really allow my body to relax and embrace what my body is craving, which is sleeping 
when it's asking for it. And I will actually create space in my calendar to do this. So like if I know that I'm having a really crappy day and I'm not going to get things done, it's a it's like a mental health day, it's a physical health day, I will make room in my calendar and I will decide not to worry if my sleep schedule is thrown off down the road or whether there's something more productive I could do instead. When I know that I need productive rest, I just make time for it and I listen. And it used to be hard to do, but it's a it's quite easy for me now to just let go. Now, rest isn't only about sleeping. <laughs> it's also about what you're doing when you're awake. What are you doing to let your body and mind recuperate and relax? And so you want to be mindful about how you're spending your time when you're awake. So for me, that looks like taking a detox bath. It looks like reading a really great book that has nothing to do with my current situation, like a good fiction book, something where I can really escape and relax. And it also means being thoughtful about not buffering with food. So I try to prioritize foods that support my health and healing over the short-term pleasure of like sugar and processed snacks. So you're going to have your own versions of how you're buffering and what you're using to get in the way of having productive rest and relaxation. Those are just some examples of how I prioritize it. But the key is to pay attention to the distractions that you are turning to when you're feeling crappy and decide to engage with them less so that your body can actually rest and heal. All right, tip number five, the last tip of today's episode. Shift your mindset from scarcity to abundance. Now, I know it sounds corny, but just stay with me here. This one is really important and really impactful. When a flare hits, you're likely going to slip into a scarcity mindset because it feels like something has been taken away from you. Your energy, your time, your plans, they feel stolen away when you're having a crappy day or a really bad flare. And I think it's really natural to default to trying to conserve the energy that you have so you can get through the day and not make the flare worse. But the issue with this approach of conserving is that it keeps your nervous system on edge and encourages your brain to focus on how crappy you're feeling. And there's a better way to think about your energy, and that is to approach it with an abundance mindset. Now, there are two key ways that I like to activate my abundance mindset when I'm dealing with a flare. And the first is to make simple switches to the language that I'm using in my thoughts about my own energy. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples that you can use yourself. When you're thinking about how to spend your time, especially uh, when you're having a flare or a bad day, instead of asking yourself, how can I conserve or protect my energy? I want you to change it to, what can I do to cultivate more energy? Did you hear what I just did there? I changed it from conserve to cultivate, from scarcity to abundance. Another example of a good language shift is to take the question, what can I do to prevent myself from feeling pain 
and turn it into what can I do that feels good for my body? These changes in language are incredibly powerful. Language shapes our experience. It promotes a sense of safety for the brain and redirects from scarcity and fear to abundance and growth mindsets. Now, there's another way that I really like to kick the scarcity mindset blues, and that is to keep a list of supportive actions that I can take when I feel crappy. I'm talking the tried and true things that support your well-being. Now, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes when I have a flare, I'm so thrown off by feeling crappy that I forget about the basic strategies that help me feel better. Like if I have a cold, it takes me about three or even more days before I remember that I could take OTC medicine to ease the symptoms like cold medicine. It sounds so silly, but I'm just so in the middle of the gunk that I'm not thinking straight. And so having a list of what works when I'm struggling means that the only thing I have to remember is to look at the list. And the list serves double duty because it's also a really lovely collection of evidence that I have an abundance of tools to help myself when I'm struggling, that I am resourced and capable of supporting myself on the hard days. Now, here's the trick. When you do the things on your list, get really clear about why you're doing them. If you're doing these things because you fear what will happen if you don't, the value of doing the thing in the first place isn't going to stick. When we do things out of fear or hypervigilance or perfectionism, we're perpetuating the idea that there is a problem to be fixed, that something is broken and it has to be fixed. Instead, I want you to approach these things on your list from a place of supporting your well-being instead. Get back into that cultivation mindset, that abundance mindset when you do these things. Do the things on your list because they feel good, because your future self will be glad that you did them, because they serve your long-term benefit, not because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't. So, Pay attention to the language you're using in your mind and adjust it to a place of abundance, support, and cultivation so that when you turn to your list and tools for feeling better, you'll get the most impact. All right, my friend, those are my top five tips to feel less crappy on the hard days. In future episodes, we will explore these topics in more depth, but today's episode is meant as a go-to guide for when you're feeling crappy and you just need a little reminder of the simple things you can do to turn down the volume on your suffering and manage your mind. I encourage you to save or bookmark this episode so that you can come back to it when a hard day arrives and you really want to kick your mindset back into resilience mode. I hope you found at least one valuable tip in here that works for you personally Give it a try the next time you're struggling and let me know how it goes. You can always find me on Instagram at at Misha Delaney. You know the links are in the show notes by now. And in the meantime, here's to more better days. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend, that's everything I've got for you today. 
but I do have a favor to ask. If you enjoyed this show, please help me on my mission of bringing more empowerment and agency into the lives of people with chronic illness by helping me get the word out. All you need to do is hit that follow button and write a review of the podcast. It only takes a moment, but your action will have a ripple effect in spreading the word to people who are yet to discover more better days. And also, don't forget to share today's episode with a friend too. And if you're ready to take action towards getting unstuck and starting to thrive, go to morebetterdayspodcast.com. There you'll find free resources on how to get started. And you can also follow me on Instagram at at Misha Delaney for inspiration and approachable tips that you can use on the daily to develop your mind-body resilience. You can find links to everything I just mentioned in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope today is one of the better days.